0: Lord Jesus, we want to be so lost in your love and wonder and grace that we give our whole lives to you in obedience. So please open your word to us and help us do that this morning. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. One of the top five questions that I get as a pastor is, If Christianity is true, then why doesn't it work better? I I hear it a lot. If Jesus is so real, then where is this intimacy with God we're always promised? Where's the joy that we're supposed to have? Where are the transformed lives we keep hearing about? If, If Jesus is so great, then why does it seem boring sometimes to follow him? You're wondering where I'm going to go from here, aren't you? Well, I think I know the answer. It's obedience, or the lack of it. Unless we're obeying God's call in our lives to get to know Him through prayer and Scripture, to obey His commandments about money, sex, and forgiving others, to love others in a tangible way, unless we are obeying in those areas, then the joy that He promises will always elude us. Now, I know that that word obedience can be a bit of a turn-off word in our culture, And maybe today you're not even sure you believe in Jesus, so obeying him really doesn't make sense. But Just hang on, because I don't intend to talk about the, oh, why did I come to church today? He's talking about things I should do but don't want to do because they're hard, why am I here kind of obedience. I'm going to talk about a different kind of obedience. I want to talk about the, fulfilling, rewarding, fill you up, pump you up, start you up, give you joy right down to your marrow. Why didn't I do this before kind of obedience? That's what I want to talk about. You see, the truth that Jesus describes in this text is that obedience is what unleashes joy in our lives and leads to a deeper relationship with God. Not just once, but five times in this passage, Jesus says things like, whoever loves me will obey and I will show myself to Him. That is, if we love Jesus, we'll obey Him. And when, when we do that, we get a deeper experience of Him. He shows Himself to us. And that gives us joy. Love leads to obedience, leads to joy. Now, I want to be clear. This doesn't mean that God only loves us when we obey. God always loves us, regardless of what we do or don't do. What it does mean, though, is that if we don't obey God... We won't have the fullest experience of Jesus that we otherwise could. And we'll miss out on the joy that he wants to give us. Love leads to obedience, and obedience leads to a deeper experience of God. Now this just makes sense, right? If I love my wife, I'll spend time with her, I'll serve her. And that will lead to a deeper marriage. It's the same with Jesus. If we love him, we'll spend time with him, we'll serve him, we'll obey him. And that leads to a deeper experience of him and abundant life. Which means that if it's hard for us to obey, and let's be honest, it is, if it's hard for us to obey, what we need to pray for is not obedience, but to love Jesus. You know, a lot of times we pray, Lord, help me obey. But in some ways that could be a selfish prayer, right? Because we want to obey so we feel good about ourselves. What we really should pray is, Lord, help me love you more. Because the more we love, the more we'll obey. And then the reward of that obedience is the abundant life. But love comes first. If you want to obey, pray for love. In fact, all throughout this passage, love and obedience are linked. God's commandments to us are nothing but love. He gives them to us in love. Not to to constrain us, but because He knows what's going to make our lives full of joy. The, The manual for my car tells me to put oil in the engine. Now, I could say, Oh, those car makers, they're so fussy and uptight. I'm not going to obey them. I think my car would prefer orange juice instead of oil. (laughs) Orange juice tastes better, doesn't it? But what would happen? The engine would seize up, and that would not bring my car joy, or me. The car makers designed the car. They know what makes it work. It's the same with God. He designed us. He knows how we work, and His commandments are his guidelines for how we can become everything he designed us to be. A friend of mine was sitting in a communion service at a church retreat, and she was going up to receive communion, and as she was doing so, the the scripture verse popped into her head about if you have something against your brother, go and forgive him before you worship. And as that verse popped into her head, she noticed this guy in the crowd that she'd been at odds with for a year. And she said, oh, man. She knew what she had to do. So she went over to him and they began to reconcile. And then she went up and received communion. And later she told me, you know, I've received communion hundreds of times and it's always seemed like kind of an empty ritual to me. But this time, I actually felt like I was in communion with God. And I think the difference was that I obeyed his command to reconcile. And she said, you see, obedience, I just learned this, obedience isn't constraining it's liberating. It leads to a dip, deeper experience of God and to joy. You know, if all of our faith life—if all our faith life consists of—is coming to church once a week and sitting around on our blessed assurance, then no wonder it seems irrelevant at times. <laughs> Didn't know whether to laugh or not, right? It's okay. That was clean. It's fine. But if being a disciple of Jesus means really getting to know God, the God of the universe, if it means finding the power to reconcile with other people, if it means living lives of integrity and compassion that astonish others, if it means participating with God in what he's doing in the world, well, now, that's more interesting. Faith comes alive. Now, some of you may be thinking, oh, I hate this sermon When is he going to stop talking about being a disciple and go back to talking about nice things? I can't do this. I can't obey. It's too hard. You're right. You can't. Several years ago, my wife and I were listening to a pastor giving a similar sermon where he said that being a disciple of Jesus is about loving your enemies and not being proud and caring for hurting people. And my wife leaned over and said, guess that leaves us out, doesn't it? She's right. We can't do any of this on our own. That's why in this same passage, Jesus promises us help. He says, I'll send you a counselor, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us obey and brings our faith in Christ to life. Now, I know that word Holy Spirit sounds kind of spooky, right? Or worse, Holy Ghost. What's that? That's kind of scary, right? But the word Jesus uses here in Greek is paraclete. And what that word means is someone called in alongside of. In Greek culture, a paraclete was someone called into the army to give the troops courage. Or someone called in to give advice in a difficult situation. Or someone called in to comfort people who were mourning. The Holy Spirit is is nothing other than the Spirit of Jesus himself living inside of us, called into us to counsel, comfort, and give us strength to live the Christian life. So, when I'm tempted towards some sin, maybe to lash out in anger or to gossip about someone, there's a voice that literally goes off in my head and it says, Scott, I know you think you want this, but deep down isn't what you really want to be pure and whole and have integrity? That's the Holy Spirit helping me to live the Christian life. Sometimes when I'm sitting in church or reading scripture or just thinking, I am suddenly overwhelmed by the thought of a God who would love me enough to die for me. That's the Holy Spirit helping me to love Jesus more so I can obey him more. Back when I was doing college ministry, I remember once sitting in a church service and I was feeling very discouraged because I didn't think the ministry was going very well. And I was thinking things like, I'm a bad preacher, I'm a bad pastor, I should just quit. And as I was strolling through my mental hall of shame, suddenly these verses from Scripture started coming into my head. Verses like, I've redeemed you and I've called you by name. I remember your sin no more. I will never leave you or forsake you. And then the thought popped into my head, does God ever call anybody a failure? And I thought, no. And then I thought, well then whose voice would that be if it's not God's? That was the Holy Spirit acting as a comforter and as a teacher. If we know Jesus, his Holy Spirit lives inside of us to teach us, to comfort us, to strengthen us, and give us the power to live the Christian life. Now, I need to say that the Holy Spirit is always very gentle in how he does that. It's not as if the Holy Spirit sort of comes into our life and possesses us and turns us into little robots that automatically obey God. No, 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 that would make us puppets, and God respects us way more than that. So he lets us have the final decision about how we're going to behave. But the Holy Spirit does prompt us, and then we have to respond to those promptings. And when we do, and when we ask for help, and when we obey, then the Holy Spirit rushes in and gives us comfort and the power to live new lives. And then our faith is real, and it makes a difference. Back when I was in seminary, there were two things about being a pastor that scared me. Death and junior high ministry. (laughs) Not necessarily in that order. So my advisors made me do both. The first year, I had to do junior high ministry, and you know what I discovered? I loved it. I love junior high students. They are so much fun. If you haven't tried it, you need to. They are a ton of fun. So since that worked out so well, the second year they made me work in a hospital. And I was assigned to a cancer floor. And at the time, I had a rather pronounced fear of death and all things related. Uh, Sometimes I would lie awake at night, obsessed with thoughts of death. So to be assigned to the cancer floor was terrifying. Well, my first day on the job, first day, I spent the whole day just walking around the hall. I was too afraid to go into any of the rooms. But every time i passed this one room, I would just feel this nudge to go in. And I ignored it all day until the end of the day, I finally decided that that was probably the Holy Spirit and I should respond. So I went in. And there was a woman there by her husband's bedside, and I I began to talk to her. And as we were talking, I noticed that her husband's breathing was very irregular. And I said something about it. And she said, yeah, he's about to die. Well, I had no idea what to do. I was 24 years old. I had no idea what to do. And so I just started praying in my head, Lord, help, please. And then, almost in spite of myself, I started saying the right words and asking the right questions. And she began to share her grief over what was happening. And as we were talking, her husband died. We sat there in silence for a few minutes, and and then I said, may may I pray for you? And and she said, would you pray with us? And by us, she meant her and the corpse. So I took her hand, and I took the hand of her dead husband, and we prayed. And when we were done, I, I, I walked her out of the room, and as we were leaving, she looked at me and she said, you have a very hard job, don't you? And I said, well, actually, it's my first day. And she reached out and she patted my shoulder and she said, You did a very good job. (laughs) God was very real to me that day. I got to see him give me the right words and use me and work through me to comfort a lonely woman in a hard time. And I got to see him work through her to comfort me in a hard time. And because he was so real that day, that was really the last time that that fear of death ever had much power over me. God was real. And my faith made a difference in my life and in hers. And it happened because I obeyed. I obeyed God's commands to care for hurting people. I obeyed the Holy Spirit nudging me into that room. And out of that obedience came a deeper experience of God. Obedience puts our faith into action. It makes it real. It brings us joy. So I want to urge you... All of us, as we're leaving, whether, whether you know Jesus or whether you're just trying to figure out who He is, let's try this out. Let's resolve to obey His call in our life. Let's obey Him and spend time with Him in prayer and reading the Bible so we can get to know Him. Maybe just ten minutes a day. Start with a psalm or a part of the Gospels and then just tell God how you feel. Let's obey His commands about money and sex and forgiving others. Let's invest our time and our money in the things that he's doing in the world and let's care for hurting people in his name and just see, just see, just see if he doesn't become more real and you don't have more joy. Before I close, I want to leave you with an illustration that will hopefully make all of this more clear and I've asked Jim Coles to uh, help me out on this. I want, you, I want to give you a question. What's that up there on the wall? Music? No, no, no. I tricked you. Well, Amazing Grace, yeah, uh, the musicians always know, right? That is not music, and it is not Amazing Grace, no, no. That is a digital reproduction of notes on a page. It's not music until Jim does this. see, it's just ink on a page until someone puts it into practice, until someone lives it out. And it's the same with Christianity, it's just a story in a book, it's just a theology, it's just an idea until it's put into practice, until it's lived out in your life. And too often we are just notes on a page Christians. We have all the truth in the world, but it's unapplied. And it's not lived out, so it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't live, it doesn't sing. But when we obey, when we live it out, it turns our words into abundant life. Now, I need to say that obedience is meant to bring us joy. Not make us miserable, but for too many Christians, obedience becomes this thing of of drudgery. The fundamentalists, the legalists, make following Jesus difficult, burdensome, miserable. That would be like playing Amazing Grace this way. Snappy, isn't it? Alright, that's enough of that. That's legalism. Every note played correctly, but it's tedious, and nobody wants to sing along. That's not what God wants for us. He loves us way more than that. That's why when the Holy Spirit empowers our obedience, and when we obey not to make us feel all self-righteous about ourselves, but because we love Jesus, well, then it sounds more like this. we got a party, right? That's the difference the Holy Spirit makes. He takes our obedience and he helps us do it with life and with energy and with joy and in our own kind of style. And then everybody wants to sing along. How do we get there? Same way Jim got there on the piano, by practicing, by memorizing chord charts, by obeying his piano teachers. But then something happened. The music began to sink into his soul and he could play it by ear and he was driven by the spirit of the music inside of him instead of on the notes on the page and he could improvise and do it in his own style and with his own flair. And it's the same with us. We spend time with Jesus in prayer, in scripture. We obey and then his spirit grows more powerful inside of us and our faith becomes real. It sings and our song is irresistible and everyone wants to sing along. Let's make it sing okay? Lord Jesus, thank you that you love us so much. And Lord, we know that your commands are given to us in love for our good, not to constrain us. And Lord, we pray that you would help us love you more and more so that we can obey you more and more, so that the world will know that you're real, and we will too. In your name, Jesus, amen.